grain with child? Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins? Why am I seeing every man with his hand like that in pain? Yeah? He says every, every man, young and old, so, like that. Continue. As a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for all faces are deathly. That is a terrible time, right? Continue. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. Aye, that is serious. Sit down, thank you. So, in our countdown, which we set out to countdown to the eternal kingdom of God, right? We have now seen that the church age must appear, right? Hallmarks. Number two, there must be forerunners must appear, as promised by the Bible. Must appear. And then we have seen that, boom, church age, if it has a beginning, must have an end. I'm going to open up a little further where it began from, right? And where it ends. You're going to see scriptures like uh, the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 when the Lord said, where are you? So God now extending his arm of grace looking for his fallen children. And then you see Genesis 3.15 and then you see many other scriptures. Genesis 3.21, the blood. You'll see... Um, Scriptures like Genesis 22, verse 13, now the slaughter of Isaac, you know, substitute death. You see now the, 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 uh, the lamb, you see the ram that appears. So I'm going to open up the church age bigger for you. Genesis 12, verse 3, when it says the whole world will be blessed by the Messiah as he comes. Genesis 28, the ladder and so forth. We'll see the church age. The foretelling of it and when it was materialized. So if it has a beginning, it has an end also. So don't slumber them. Everything that has a beginning has an end. So be careful, it's about to end. If you look at your news, you know it's about to end. If you hear these oracles, you know it's about to end, right? And so now, you hear in there, blessed people, that there is... The church age, we're counting down the main events, church age. And then you see the forerunners in there announcing the king. I have seen the king coming. There's some people up here and start saying, I have seen the king coming. The Lord has told me to do this. The Messiah is coming. I've seen the coming of the Messiah and so forth. And then he says now, after that, there is now uh, the rapture of the church. And after the rapture, so if you're counting down those are three hallmarks, you know, then now you have... Daniel's 70th week. He says that's a major event. And especially midway, the Lord really highlights the abomination that causes desolation. So he says that time will be like none other. But he says it is assigned to Jacob. Assigned to Israel. So it's not even your time. That should cause you to tighten now to even work harder. Are we together? Harder in terms of Safeguarding the salvation you have, keeping the holiness you have, that you are not in porosity, some kind of porous living, right? So, now, after the 70th week, 70th week of Daniel, uh, Daniel 9:27, has come as one of the main hallmarks, then there is also the second coming. We are counting down, right? Those are major events along the journey, blessed people. So, can you read the second coming also as one of them? 
Read the book of Revelation, chapter 19, 11 to 21, real quick in a hurry. Revelation 19, 11 to 21, so I can move faster. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him. And remember, I have seen this white horse, this mega white horse inside heaven. Do you remember the vision of November 1, the year 2006, 3 a.m. in the morning? Hallelujah. Amen. The second part of the vision now, I am inside heaven, and the horse comes, and he's, he, the Lord makes me touch him. The, his, his front legs are up to here. He's a huge horse. And I physically, I have physically touched him. And that is all delivered by the Lord. That physically touch him. And he's glorious. Remember, he's glorious. Remember, the voice said, Look and see who is seated on the white horse, right? And he is glorious. And remember too well that, uh, uh, that I touched him, physically touched him. Meaning, go back and tell them it is soon going to be a reality. And that horse we know too well goes where? To Jerusalem. Are we together? That is now post rapture, events after rapture. Serious stuff, blessed people. Reality of eternity dawning in your eyes here. Hallelujah. Amen. And so he's saying there very clearly that uh, uh, th there will be a difficult time, the tribulation, and then now I want us to handle the second coming. It was a major hallmark on the timeline. And these are key things you need to know so that when you talk about the rapture, then you are now contextualized. Your mind is now open, you know, in terms of God's bigger calendar. Where does it fall? It's not just a single event you're reading, and then, you know, you're working on it in terms of here and now. No, it's a bigger event meant to deliver eternity, deliver mankind into the kingdom of eternity, right? So can you read the book of Revelation, chapter 19, 11, and 21? Hurry again. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse... And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. That is you, right? Upon white horses, dressed in, dressed, dressed in, in linen, white, dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And he, he hath on his vesture and on, on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly, the birds, uh -huh. all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men both free and bond both small and great and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the throne that sat on the horse and against his army and the beast was taken and with him the false prophet 
was wrought that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant was slain with the sword. Him, himself, the remnant was slain the sword? That sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. So that is yet another hallmark event along the way to the kingdom. So you, as those preparing to go into this kingdom, must be aware of it, right? And that tells you quite a significant event, isn't it? That is the second coming of Christ, right? So, other than rapture, now you have second coming also, right? And along the way, there is one more event that I want him to read, Revelation 16, 12, and 16. Revelation 16, 12, and 16. Someone, if you have NIV also nearby, they open it ready for you as you read King James. You'd rather begin with NIV? Okay, begin King James. It's okay, King James. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the way of the kings of the east, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So he's saying there is the battle of Armageddon. That is also a significant event along the way to the glorious kingdom of God Almighty. And you need to know about it, right? So is there more you have to read? NIV. Okay, so just leave it at that. So you see that now. So, in the prophetic timeline, that is another hallmark event. After second coming, there is now a Armageddon there also. And uh, read, we have read Revelation 19, 13, 21 is Armageddon. And then we have uh, Revelation 26 and 7, verse 6 and 7. Another event. I said we are rolling out. The, the purpose is this. Focus on me now for a moment. The purpose is to be able to show you the prophetic timeline of God Almighty, counting down to the eternal kingdom of God. You remember that, right? Remember the Messiah comes, he takes the reins 1,000 years after he has crushed the enemies, he delivers to God the Father, right? So the purpose is to show you in context the positioning of the rapture of the church vis-a-vis, -vis, in context with the entire timeline, the eternity timeline of God, right? Hallelujah. And so we see now there's a market on there. And we have also seen now that uh, Revelation 20, let him read it, verses 6 and 7. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand okay, so he has mentioned a thousand years. So there is the millennial reign also. The millennial reign of Christ. So remember where we began from? The church age, number one, which has a beginning, must have what? An end. We're going to see shortly. And then we also saw that the forerunners must appear within the church age and really announce its ending that is soon going to end, right? 
Number three, we saw that the rapture of the church will essentially bring it to an end. Hallelujah. And so you are soon beginning to understand that Christ is at the center, at the center. Jesus is at the very center of all this because even the church age is switched on by Jesus. Because when he dies and resurrects, then he sends the Holy Spirit, right? That he promised. Then the church age begins, right? And you are seeing that when he comes now for the church, that marks the end of the church age, the rapture. So we have seen the church age is one of the hallmarks on the prophetic timeline of God. There is no dozing here. So, the church age is one hallmark on the prophetic timeline of God. In the, another hallmark is the announcers of the kingdom, announcing the coming of the kingdom, the preparers of the way. And then we have seen that the rapture, which marks the end of the church age, is another hallmark event. Then we have seen, even Jesus himself talked about Daniel's 70th week, right? The tribulation, even more importantly, the last three and a half years, the abomination that causes desolation. Are we still together? I'm summarizing it for you. And then when it goes all the full length, the second coming is one of those major events. Thank you for helping your church members writing this, I mean, uh, churches by writing some of this down. And then, second coming, he says, then Armageddon, a battle when he's terminating the enemy, right? After that, we have now seen what? The millennial kingdom. So now you're beginning to understand in context where the rapture sits. The value of the rapture, the purpose of the rapture is within the bigger context of the prophetic timeline of God towards the eternal kingdom of God, right? It's not an eventuality or a casual, an accident or something that you ran into just by the way. Not at all. It's a very active ingredient, a very important ingredient of God's redemptive plan for mankind, Right? The rapture of the church. Before we go deep into it, I just wanted to give you this perspective, the broader picture, right? And then, so we have seen the millennial reign. And how about Revelation 20, 11 and 15? And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Very powerful. So the great white throne judgment is another event. There is a serious day of judgment for those who are rebellious, the Christ-rejecting world. The great white throne judgment. Are we together? And there's a lot that happens in between though. Because the enemy is bound for some time, for about a thousand years. And uh, so there are people that come with glorious bodies with Christ. And there are people on the earth that are saved during the tribulation that Jesus had missed in the kingdom. We're going to see the details where by now the Lord also gets rid of the rebellious and throws them out. 
removes them from the earth. During the rapture, he removes the believing, right? But at that time, the wicked are taken away, right? Step by step. And now you're seeing very clearly here, blessed people, that uh, there is a great white throne judgment also, demarcating the prophetic timeline of God Almighty. And then, if you read Revelation chapters, you don't have to read it, chapters 21 and 22, now you have the eternal state. You have the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Now the eternal state. The eternal estate of God. That is the eternal kingdom of God Almighty, right? So, that is the spectrum of the Lord. But I want to raise one thing as we go now, before we take a short break. Uh, you have heard the Lord himself raise a serious warning that be careful. That there is a time coming like no other time ever. And never another time again like that. The 70th week of Daniel. That 70th week of Daniel, he says the following about it. You hear that there will be a temple. So Israel will build a temple again. And we strongly think that that would be the impetus, it will be the impetus for signing a peace treaty. We don't know how that will sit vis-a-vis -vis the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is there right now. Big controversy right now, right? Fighting and war and so forth. And you can tell that for sure they will institute the, the old sacrifice. Because right now I think there was some uh, campaign where they were telling people they will give them $3,000 if you can go and sacrifice a lamb at that position. So you can tell they are urged, they are longing to build, rebuild that mosque. The Temple Institute in Jerusalem has the entire design right now, ready to build. They have a Temple Institute. Now, for the 70th week of Daniel, the signing of the contract, peace treaty, which later he violates, he turns his back on it halfway, right? For the 70th week of Daniel to be fulfilled, I mean to, to come to pass, Number one, you need the state of Israel. Number one, the state of Israel. And you'll see that that is a wonder. The state of Israel, the nation, is a wonder. Because you know too well that there was a scatter. They were scattered, right? Very far away. And they were scattered all over the world. And you also know too well that uh, many kingdoms were scattered, right? And almost each one of the kingdoms that were scattered, you cannot trace them right now. They were totally disintegrated, right? The Roman Empire, you know, the Greek world, totally with their cultures, everything went down. But Israel... More than, I think, 2,000 years plus. Caught up, I mean, in, in, in diaspora, scattered. And yet they sustained the language until today. Hallelujah. And then sustained the culture 
I know in Europe there is Yiddish, which is now the older form of uh, Hebrew, but still same. Same. Sustain the language, sustain the culture, and then 1948 came back as a nation, and the UN instituted it. So, step by step, you need to open your mind now. These are wonders that the nation of Israel came back. That's why Jesus talked about the fig tree, that when you see this and that sprouting, then you know that the time is near. Because Israel is the prophetic clock, right? They are located to when the nation of Israel was formed again. As a standard, as a clock, a meter. Are we together? Then he's saying that they came back, they were formed 47, 49, rather, 48, and then 49, ratified by the UN. Brazil played a very key role. Remember Aranya? Remember I've always gone to give speeches about Aranya at the Senate and also in your assemblies and so forth, right? In Brasilia. About the role, because I've gone there always to speak about the importance of sustaining relations with Israel, right? Things are changing so fast as you can see in your news, right? Now is when you see the importance of the speeches I've been giving at the Senate in Brasilia. At this moment is when you see. Because you see like there is global animosity. You know, people have come and attacked you and butchered you. But the whole world has turned against you now. That is serious, right? And now there's a lot of anti-Semitism in the top Ivy League, right? Harvard, you know, you saw what the president of Harvard University said before the Congress. And you saw how the president of UPenn resigned two days ago because of how, you know, they were not able to come out openly. Some people come out and say that they want to do a genocide on the Jews. And they're not able to come out and rebuke it. But later, said, no, no, I think I said it, I did it wrong. So they resign and so forth. You see this anti-Semitism, huh? Hallelujah. But let me bring it to context. He's saying that for the 70th week to happen, which really will ignite, ignite the rollout. <laughs> Thank you so much, Justin. So we'll ignite the rollout, the rollout for the switch, as a switch towards the kingdom, right? Because he comes in the second coming to establish the kingdom. So we are sitting on the verge of the kingdom, right? But he's saying this, that for that 70th week to be realized, can we see some parameters necessary? Number one, the state of Israel must be there. And we see that it is there because they were scattered. Not like, I mean, like, unlike all the other empires and kingdoms and whatever that were scattered and disappeared, dissolved, they were rubble, they became ashes. But this one reconstituted back and became the state of Israel. That is a wonder of God. That's a sign that now the Messiah will come. Number two, uh, for that 70th week to be realized, there must be a peace need. There must be a need for peace in Israel. Oh boy, you look, there, there is need, right? A big one, eh? Because that's a peace treaty. 
So Israel must need peace and the countries around there for him to come and say, now we put Muktaba, a peace treaty. But when you look there, you see that, wow, that is serious. It's happening now. Another thing that must happen, there must be a temple. Israel must have its own temple rebuilt. So somehow you think the peace treaty will be anchored on that, pegged on that, right? On building the temple and so forth. And so today I want us to run into some events here because they are so key. But if you see in your news now, then now you understand. Then now you understand what the Lord is talking about here. That time is nigh. You need to prepare in the bigger context. He's saying the nation of Israel must exist. And Israel is the only nation whose people, after being scattered from Babylon, Babylonian captivity, to over I don't know how many countries, after 2,500 plus years, they came back to their own land, having retained their language and culture without losing it. Hallelujah. The one who was clapped like blessed with eternity. It says, many empires came and they dissolved, never reconstituted. Number two, there must be a great need for peace in that state of Israel. And you see that playing out very perfectly in your news, right? For the Antichrist to come and broker a peace treaty. Another thing the Lord is saying there is that God's prophecies are always accurately what? Fulfilled. And so, blessed people, we are taking a five-minute break. When we come back, I want to handle a little bit of some aspects of this last week of Daniel that Jesus raised as a red flag. Jesus himself cried out and said, no, don't try. It will be the most difficult time in the creation he ever created. And there will be no other time like it. After that, I will handle the second coming of Christ and the events around it. And then I think we'll now be ready in that context, contextualization, to handle the rapture. And we're together now. A short break. The Messiah is coming to Daraba, to Daraverim, Baruch Hashem. And when that agency is authorized and licensed, then we see that that agency now operates with authority of the appointing authority, right? Authority of the creator. And that when they begin to perform that, that when they begin to perform that executive task, that, I mean, uh, assigned duty with authority, then what you see what you people see is called the anointing. Of course, that authority is the anointing. And what you see is the anointing now at work. And when the anointing is at work, for example, a cripple is walking, a blind has seen, the deaf can hear. That is the manifestation of God inside that authority. Right, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me very well. Again, let me repeat this for you. I, today I use... Hallelujah. So are we live on air now? Thank you. So we have seen today that the rapture is part of the most important prophetic timeline of God that leads the eternal kingdom of God. That's one of the first things we have seen today. 
And in that way, we have seen that the rapture of the church is not an eventuality or something that was, you know, all of a sudden an afterthought. That the rapture of the church is a very active ingredient, is a very important component of God's redemptive program for mankind. Are we together? We have seen that very well, right? That the rapture, Chaka, you are not able to make it, eh? Or you are going around. They blocked you. You, you. Can you pass here? Thank you. So today we have seen very clearly that while we prepare for the rapture of the church, we need to understand within the context of God's prophetic timeline for eternity. Where does it fall? And we have seen very clearly that the rapture is a very important ingredient, component of God's action for redemption of mankind on the earth. Very important. And we have seen at the end, I began with the book of Daniel chapter 244, that at the end an eternal kingdom is established. And that that kingdom is eternal. It will bring down all the other kingdoms and therefore, it gives us a lot of impetus, encourages us to stay put in the salvation of Jesus. That at the end, we win. And that also causes us to go out and win people for Jesus, that the winning team may be big, right? And so if anybody out there had a misconception and misunderstanding, we also go and enlighten them that no, this thing is not a matter of choose or not. This is a must do. Because at the end, only this wins. Hallelujah. And so we saw the importance of the rapture of the church, and we contextualized it today. We put it into context. In other words, we removed ourselves and looked at God's prophetic timeline and the demarcations on the timeline, the markings. And all those are counting towards the eternal kingdom of God, right? And we saw that the rapture is such a powerful switch that when it does happen, it quickly rolls out events to the kingdom of God. Only seven years and the Messiah has come back with the kingdom. We're going to see that. We're going to see a lot of that. Don't worry about that. We'll see that when we handle later the rapture. You'll see when he comes, when he says, I am coming. How is he coming? He's coming with his glory. He's coming with his power. He's coming with his kingdom. He's coming with his judgment. And all that I'll open up. Each of them is a big, big summer, right? Are we together? And so, today we have seen very beautifully here that the Lord is saying, that when you remove yourself a little bit and you look at where the positioning of the rapture is, there is a prophetic timeline and there is events that are happening along the timeline. And the purpose is one, zero count down to the kingdom of God. We also saw that even the Messiah, when he establishes the thousand years of his reign, which I will cover, if I get time, I will handle the millennial reign of Christ. I must, Right? You'll see that during the millennial reign of Christ, <laughs> even the tree of life will come back down here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I, I think, I think I'd, rather, I'd rather just not jumpstart the gun, but to go and walk with you, right? The millennial reign of Christ, the tree will be down here, and people, longevity. People will live longer like wars in the Old Testament. There will be peace. 
and so forth. We'll see that a baby will push the hand into a viper's nest and whatever. All those things are described there. So I have to cover the millennial reign. But most importantly, we have seen today that the coming of the Messiah in the rapture is here and there is another also, the second coming. So eventually, if time allows, I will even try to distinguish between the two. That you may be in the know. I know for you have fed on this for a long time, but we are global. We are global, right? And so, among the events that we saw that mark the timeline of God, I've said that whenever the Lord is zero counting down on the timeline, there are two ways in which he can accomplish when the time has arrived for him to do something on the timeline. There are two ways in which he can accomplish that. I've said it again, I'll repeat it here. Number one, the Lord can normally establish an agency. That's like an embassy. And when he establishes the agency, he authorizes it. That's now the delegation of power. From like, if like a Kenyan embassy in Washington, D.C. is given power to execute that mission. So that authorization, that licensing to do those things for the country, for the nation, is what is called the anointing of God on that agency. Hallelujah. And when that agency begins to operate with that authorization, that anointing, then what you see when it's a creeper who has walked, a blind has seen, a deaf has heard, a neutron star, whatever. So what you see is the manifestation of God in the life of that agency. Can I put it better? Let me put it better. When that agency begins to operate in the authorization, the authority of heaven that is resident in that agency, you see the life of God in that agency, meaning you see the life and the power of God inside that agency. That is called manifestation of God. Are we together? So, depending on the type of manifestation that you see, when an agency has been sent and established, like an embassy, an envoy, an office by the Lord on the earth, depending on the type of manifestation, you can know the following. Number one, you can know the gravity, the weight of the anointing of the agency. Number two, you can tell how close that agency is working with God the Father himself. Number three, therefore, you can know how holy that agency is. Because you cannot walk next to God the Father except that you be holy, holy, holy. He is holy three times.